0: This week at church, um, right here in this room, I, uh, I met with a friend that I had known for, I don't know, a long time. And uh, he's an older man. He said he's been a Christian his whole life. He approached me and he said, hey, I heard you, your church is doing a fast. We are. If you weren't here last week, we're doing a 21-day fast, and we want to encourage you guys to fast with us. I want to make sure you understand that there's no right way to fast. You can't really mess up. It's, it's a sacrifice that you would give for Jesus yeah. the purpose of fasting is to take your love off of the things of this world and place them on God yeah. it's the emptying of yourself and the in the refilling of yourself with God it reminds you what your purpose is you can fast one day you can fast seven days you can fast every day you could skip a meal you could skip a meal every day you could you could skip Facebook, I don't care. Look, it's your relationship with Jesus. It's not your relationship with me. You can do what you want, but I am begging you. Scripture says in Joel, Joel called a fast when there was no one in sin. Here's what I know. It is easy as an American for our hearts to become bored with the things of this world and forget about an extravagant love for God. Amen. This guy said, I heard you I heard you church is doing a fast. He said, Yeah, he said, hey Amen. Um, I've never done that before. So why don't you try, try it with us? Yeah, he said, that's, uh, maybe. Uh, and then he said, uh, hey, I got a question. How do you, I've never prayed with my son. How do I do that? So, said, man, that's, it's powerful. It's one of the coolest honors and one of the special moments in my day. Uh, what the Jews do, my wife, me and my wife do this with our kids, is the Jews like to speak a blessing over their kids. So what they do is um, they, they, they look for the things that um, they're the, calling or the gifts that they want to see happen in their kids. So what happens as a parent, sometimes you get frustrated on your kids and you have a tendency of, of being rude or demeaning to them. Uh, and so, But what the Jews do is when they're laying in bed at night, they'll bless those same things. So, for example, when I'm laying in bed, I'll, I'll just speak over my son or my girls and I'll say, you know, God, I, I, I thank you for that there's a leader inside of him. And I thank you for wisdom inside of them. And I thank you that you're bringing discernment into them. And I'm speaking over them the gifts that I want to see them recognize in themselves. And as they're hearing me say that they have it, they'll grow in the confidence of it. Does that make sense? And he's, oh, that's that's cool. And he he starts crying. I was like, oh, man, that was really powerful. He says, no. I guess I have a better question. I don't know how to pray. And I realized... That's a lot of the body of Christ. We love God. We really do. Man, I love God. I don't know how to talk to Him. I don't know how to have a relationship with Him. And that's hard because it's it's imperative in any relationship. Try having a crush on someone and not talking to them. It's not gonna go very far. Today, what I'm hoping to do is practically give you some of the resources that will put the nuts and bolts together and make your relationship with God mathematically make sense. We're creating a system today. This message may be too simple for some people that want a deep message, but I'm trying to improve my relationship with Jesus, and I think that there's some mathematical formula here in it today for me. So... Um, as you give up some food this week, you need to make sure that you fill up with Jesus. And this is how we do it. If you want to, one of the reasons why we fast is because I I was telling my friend that I I love tacos. And I love Jesus. And I, sometimes there are seasons in my life where I feel like I eat more tacos than I pray to Jesus. Has Anyone else ever been there? Uh, And so if if we love tacos and we love TV and we love sports and we love all these things, what happens is our extravagant love for Jesus has become normalized with the things of this world. But Jesus said when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? That you love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. It's hard to love Jesus first. It's easier for me to love work. It's easier for me to love my wife. It's easier for me to love my children. It's easier for me to love my friends. But putting Jesus first isn't always easy. But this is some of the things that we found out about it. And I'm believing right now there are some people in this room. Raise your hand if you believe that your heart has said you want to love Jesus first in your life. Would you? Ask, just so I know I'm talking to you today. Okay, great. I know. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Okay, great. Here we go. Uh, Psalms chapter one, verse one through three. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Let's pray. Lord, help. Amen. Okay, so here's what, I, what, I, what I'm reading in this story, uh, is that people who, who uh, follow the Lord, the, the delight in the Lord, they love the word of God and they meditate on it day and night. Okay? Well, you're like, but well, I love the Lord and I don't meditate on it day and night. When I entered into a relationship with my wife, it was new for me. There was a lot of things that she loved that I didn't, that I had to learn how to love. The Lord loves his word, and it is probably the most significant thing on the planet. There are a lot of possessions we have in this world, but the word of God is the most important thing that you possess. Some of you have nine or ten Bibles. Um, We have to get it in us. Meditating on it, now here's, here's, here's what I've learned, check this out. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally, yes. okay? Let's think about this. People that, are ex- that love God with all of their heart, they read the word day and night. And they meditate on the word day and night. People that are champions of the faith do it day and night. And my objective as your pastor is not to just get you to like God, Not to just get you to love God. It is the mission of the church that we are to make disciples. People that are like Jesus and follow him. It is our mission. We don't want to just get you to say that you like Jesus. We want to teach you how to have relationship and how to become like him. Does that make sense to everyone? That is the call of God on your life to become like Jesus. Now, in order to do so, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Let's think about the champions of anything. An athlete, a football player, um, a cook. What's 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 the emerald? What's the emerald guy? Bam! Right. Hey, he cooks every day, and he practices with spices every day because he wants to be the best. He becomes obsessed with it, and and successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And what I've learned is there's some people in here. Raise your hand if you can't cook. It's because. You don't do it that often. And if there are people in this room that are struggling in their faith, having a hard time last year, your prayer was this year, God, I want to put you first. And the year before that, it was that you're struggling in your faith because successful people do consistently what other people's do occasionally. We have to figure out how to love Jesus consistently. And if we can figure out how to be consistent in our love for God, he'll be first in everything we do. The psalmist said we do it by reading day and night. Does that make sense? Our habits will make us or they'll break us, but we become what we repeatedly do. And so, if you want to become godly, we have to constantly enter into godly things. And the less frequently we enter into godly things, the more distant and shameful we feel about where we are spiritually. But it's not the Lord putting shame on you. He always loves you and he's always just going to call you. He doesn't you there's nothing you can do to make yourself more godly. Everything that is godly Jesus has already done for you. I want to make sure you understand that. But there are things that we can do to keep ourselves in a place where we're growing in faith, growing in the knowledge of God, growing in an understanding of what God wants to do in our life. Does this make sense? Cool. The Apostle Paul struggled with this problem that our habits will make us or break us. And he said that we become what we repeatedly do. And this is what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7. He said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Anyone else? This is our apostle saying this, so if there's any level of you that identifies with this, I want you to know it's a good thing that you identify with an apostle of the faith. It's good. It's good for you. It's okay. I feel the same way. I want to do what's good, but for some reason I screamed at my kids. I want to be a nice guy, but I found that I, I judged the homeless person and didn't give him the money, and I walked away, and I knew it the second I walked away that I missed the opportunity. I wanted to do what's right, but instead, I do what I hate. He, he goes on to say, this tongue twister, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I will do it anyway. And then he says this, and I, I, I hate this, but I recognize this. He does what my wife always says that we can't do. We teach this to our kids. And it, it, I, I, she always says, you can't let your, your do become your who. But what happens is, is that when you want to love God and you find yourself not, when you want to read your Bible and then you don't, when you want to pray more, when you don't, and when you want to not lose your temper, but you do, it ends up getting inside of you. And so the apostle Paul then in verse 24, he says, what a miserable person I am. I'm a terrible person. I want to do this, but I don't. I want to pray more, but I don't. I want to spend more. I want to. I want I, I don't want to spend more money, but I do. I, I don't want to eat those, but I do. I. I don't. I, I, I do all these things. Anyone else? What a miserable person I am! I blew it again. And he allowed his his do to become his who. And he says, "Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death?" All thanks be to God. Thanks be to Jesus, right? The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see how, you, you so you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. I'm going to stop there. So the Apostle Paul, it's all Jesus. He's, he's the answer. He's the answer. He's the, he's the breakthrough. He's the breakthrough to, your, to the debt. He's the breakthrough in the relational problem. He's the breakthrough at work. He's the, he's the reason for promotion. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the answer. Now, how do I fix? How do I really get Jesus first when I feel like I've tried and I've tried. I talked to this friend. 30-some years he's been on earth. Been a Christian, probably 15 of them, 20 of them, 30 of them. I don't know how to pray. I would have thought you would have learned it somewhere along the line. But it's okay. We're going to figure this thing out. we got to start Now. Here are three reasons that I came up. I'm reading this book right now. It's so powerful to me. Three reasons I came up with why people quit. Why they don't try and they just watch. Here's the first reason why people don't succeed. We focus on the what, but don't understand the how. This is a good one. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. Let me give you it to you this way. All of us, want to be the best dad in the world or the best co-worker or the best employee of the month how do you get there every athlete wants to be the champion of their sport but it's not the goal that matters it's the process to get there what did the champion actually do that was different than what everyone else had been practicing see if you want to be the best cook Compare yourself to the emerald, bam, guy, bam, you know, bam. (laughs) It's going to be in the podcast. I got to stop bamming. (laughs) If the goal is to be the champion something, what does your process to get there look like? Many of us focus on the what. This year, we're going to have a great relationship. Our marriage is going to be great. He said that the last 15 years and you've been a jerk the whole time. What, what, do you, what, what is the process this year that changes? How do you improve where you are to where you want to be? It's not a pipe dream and you're not going to just end up in a better relationship, I promise. If you broke it though, you can fix it. And so you're the problem, you're also the solution. And so there, there is a, a mathematical scenario on how to improve where you are to where you want to be. James Clear, I'm reading this book called Atomic Habits, and he said this. He says, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. You don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. So for example, sure, we all want to lose weight, don't we? Yeah. Is there anyone here that says, I don't need to lose any weight? I don't like that person you know, but what is, what is the process to get there? There is everyone here wants to have more money. The reality is, as you have as much money as God already entrusted with you with. How do you stop spending the money you're not supposed to be spending in the places he doesn't want you to spend it? How do you get to where the goal is? If you want to be promoted, what is the goal? We don't rise to the level of our goal. We fall to the level of our system. What is the process for you to be where you want to be one day? For example, in scripture, I'm fasting right now. So I want to see God do the greatest things. I want to see the dead rise. I promise. I pray it. People are like, I don't pray in that. Jesus did it I want to do it I want to see prophecies I I want to walk up to people I don't know because I want to make a difference in people it's the only thing that matters to me is I want to make a difference in people I want to walk up to someone I don't know and say hey I know what happened when you were 10 years old and you're still hurt and it's the reason for everything that's ever happened since let me tell you what happened let me tell you what God wants to do man I want that I want to see signs and wonders happening. In my life, right here, right now, in our church or on the street, I don't care, I want to see God do the greatest things. When I think about people doing the greatest things, I think about Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den, right? That's what we all learn. Daniel in the lion's den. You say the name Daniel, it equivalates to Daniel in the lion's den. But let me make sure you understand. Daniel, who shut the mouths of his enemies, his lions, who all of a sudden weren't hungry when fresh meat was sitting there. I don't know what happened there, but I, don't, I like to think of Daniel petting the lions. You know, like they were hanging out with him. It's my dream to pet a lion. That's why I grow my beard. Because I want to, I think about petting lions. My wife hates my beard. And I tell her all the time, you need to get right with Jesus. Jesus had a beard. It was big, scientifically proven. Anyways, I'm going to keep going. Um, Daniel didn't just get to the point where he had an anointing one day to be present in a scenario that was harmful to him. He got there because of a process. Now, the process, you know, I want you to understand, he had did other things. He didn't just have the gift of prophecy and the ability to interpret dreams. No, no, Daniel had, had much more than that. He was an advisor to the king. David found himself in a demotion, wanting to get out, and he found that, Daniel found that an anointing was what promoted him to being able to be in the king's palace, being able to be the one that has the answers, and if you're looking for promotion, Jesus is it, man. Seek the Lord. God gave him an anointing, and he was constantly in a scenario where God was able to use him. I love it. It'd be so cool if your boss has a problem that only you can fix all the time. He has to promote you. Cool. Let me explain this to you. Daniel didn't get there on his own. You know what Daniel did? He set up a system. Daniel's system was that I'm going to pray every day. And he fasted. Let me make sure you understand that. But he prayed every day. But Daniel's system wasn't that he was just going to pray every day. Daniel said that he's going to pray three times a day he was going to pray in the morning, pray in the afternoon. Pray in the night. And so Daniel set his little iPad to remind him, his smartwatch. He set it to send off an alarm, a notification. He'd get through, oh, I need to pray. Oh, stop. And so he would stop and he'd pray. It didn't matter who was in front of him. He realized the time of the day, Jesus is first in my life, and he's more important than anything else going on in my life. And I'm after him more than I'm after anyone else. I need to pray for just, just give me a couple minutes, maybe a minute. And we're going to pray. Daniel found a system because we don't rise to the level of our goal, our hopes, and our dreams, but we fall to the level of our system. Daniel had a system in place to get him to a goal. Do you have a plan for anything that you want to do with your life? How are you getting to where you're going? The second thing is... um, Many, uh, healthy. I'll skip that. We'll skip that. Here we go. Point number two. I threw it on the floor, so I need to see it on the screen. There we go. <laughs> don't see, we don't see progress fast enough. This is why we quit. Many of us don't quit because, we, many of us quit because we don't see progress fast enough. And it's difficult as an American. We live in a microwave generation, man. You remember, four, if you just go back five years ago and you had a smartphone, and you had to wait for it to buffer, six seconds, you would lose your mind, you know? Like, oh. And now if you have someone's cell phone service and there's any buffering at all, that, they, they gotta go. We don't wait for nothing. Everything happens now. Information highway, feed us, feed us, feed us. Food has to be made quicker. Everything's gotta be on demand. It's crazy that someone has already killed the animal and cooked the food for you, and you just show up and eat it, and that's sometimes not even quick enough. We live in a crazy world, man. We don't see results fast enough. Let me show you. We wrongly conclude that small good decisions don't matter that much, and we wrongly conclude that small bad decisions don't matter that much. Let me say it again. We we, we wrongly conclude that small good decisions don't matter that much, like this. You set out a goal this, this week. This week, I'm gonna lose weight. I'm going to exercise. You got on the treadmill three times this week, and you're walking, and you're walking, and you're walking, and at the end of the week, you just got on the scale, and you gained two pounds. (laughs) I'm over walking on the stinking treadmill. You decided this week, man, I'm going to read the Bible every day. You're reading the Bible, and you're reading the Bible, you're reading the Bible, and then you load your kids up in the car to go to church, and shut up back there. And you lose your temper on someone you love. Was it really worth it to read the Bible? This, you decide, man, this month, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay off my student loans. I'm not gonna drink any coffee. I'm not gonna spend any extra money. So this month, no coffee. So all month long, no coffee at Starbucks. And you save $100. And so you were $35,500 30, $35, in debt, but now you're $35,400 in debt. And yeah, you ask yourself, Was it worth it? We wrongly conclude in that moment that small good decisions don't matter that much. And we also, then this happens, then you end up playing video games for three hours. Your wife doesn't hate you that much at the time, so there's no divorce happening this week. I'm gonna let it ride, I'm gonna try it again tomorrow. You skip church one weekend. Doesn't seem to make a difference. You got to get a lot of things done and you got a lot of things accomplished. Didn't move the needle a whole lot. Felt good for me. Or you eat half a box of chocolates and (laughs) can't really tell. Seems like it's okay. And in that moment, we wrongly conclude that small bad decisions don't matter that much. But here's the problem that we're forgetting in every decision that happens is that our life is the sum total of all the small decisions that we make. Everything that we do every day, think about it this way. When the doctor tells you when you're 70 that you have that you, 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 your heart attack, that's going to happen, is because of what? Because you've been eating salty, greasy French fries for the last 60 years. Anyone else? I love those guys. Please add more salt to it. Tastes fantastic. But every French fry that I eat is adding one at a time. And it's one bad decision after another that's leading me in the wrong direction. Yet one decision to say, I'm going to pursue God in my life. Every day. Every day. See, if Jesus is first in my life, it changes a lot. Why? Because God speaks. Let me tell you something I know about God. He's not dead. He's alive. And when you have a relationship with the Lord, he speaks to you. And most of the time, he's going to tell you that you're an idiot. He's going to tell you that you're wrong. When most people won't. And he's going to lead you into the paths that are right for you when the decisions that you've made are not right for you. You're convinced that your family is wrong, your friends are wrong, your boss is wrong, and everyone's wrong, and you've got it right. And then you have a relationship with the Lord, and he reminds you, shut up. (laughs) Apologize. Love them. You don't have to be, even Jesus standing before Pilate, he wasn't trying to be right. All right, then I'm wrong. I'll be the scapegoat. Man, Jesus is so crazy. Okay, I have to keep going here. Galatians chapter six, verse nine says this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I'm out of time. So I'm just gonna read point three because I feel like you need to hear it. I'm just gonna read it to you. Point number three. Oh, no, yeah, I'll just go to point number three. Our distorted identity sabotages our, our success. Oftentimes we feel that we're not good enough to pray. I don't pray good enough. And I want to ask you, what, who prays good enough? I'll never be righteous enough for Jesus. Jesus makes me righteous enough for him. That's right. There's not a person in here that prays a perfect prayer. Jesus, in fact, said, make your words few. Yes. So I like listening to you when you don't talk so much. Um, Try it. You'll actually pray better if you use less words because you're focused. Check this out. An unhealthy identity creates unwise habits, and unwise habits reinforce an unhealthy identity. What I mean is, if you you think you're not good enough, you set the standard that you never try. And by never trying, you remind yourself that you're never good enough. That's right. If you tell yourself that you're a failure in your relationship that you're currently in, you stop trying to love them. Yes. And by stop trying to love them, you, you create separation. Everything in our life is defined by who we are. And if we feel like we're a dog with fleas, that's how we present ourselves in whatever it is that we're trying to do. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 6, for we know that our old sinful nature was crucified with Christ so that the sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin for we died with Christ and we are set free from the power of sin. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. I want just want to speak over you something that I know is true. If you're in this room today and you've ever made a decision to follow Jesus, the baggage that you're trying to carry today that says that you're not good enough is not from God. That's right. For we are a new creation, the Bible says. Old things have passed away and all things have been made new. The enemy is only going to remind you about your past, but God is only going to remind you about your present and your future and your calling and where you're going. God's not interested in the shame. He's washing that away. So many of you have tried and failed at putting Jesus first, but it's mostly because you didn't have a plan to get there. And because you didn't have a plan, you felt like a failure. And because you felt like a failure, you didn't want to try. But I've learned this, that a healthy identity creates positive habits. And positive habits reinforce a healthy identity. The more that I do what I'm trying to do, the more confidence I have in doing it. And that goes with everything, from cooking to playing video games with my son to playing Barbies with my daughter. The better, the more I do it, the better I feel about doing it. The more confidence I have in doing it, the more I can do it. The less you do it, the worse you feel about doing it. The less you want to do it, the worse you feel about doing it. See how the crazy cycle just keeps spinning? Here's what I know. God has called many of you into a relationship with Jesus. Would you all mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes for just a second? I believe that God is moving in this room here today, even right now. And some of you would say, you know what, I believe that God has asked me to love him. And I don't know if I've put him first on any level in my life. But I believe God's calling me to try. Today I want to Trade in some, some bad baggage for a fresh start. If you're here today and you say, I need to renew or I need a new love for God, only the Holy Spirit can give that to you. And it's Jesus' desire to give that to you today. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, if you're here and you say, I need to put Jesus first in my life and he's not, I want to pray for you. Will you raise your hand right now, if that's you? God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you and you and you and you and you, wow, 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 that's awesome. man, i I think there's some real things happening right now. I pray over those of you that have just raised your hand. Lord Jesus. Take my sin. Take my mistakes and my failures and my shortcomings. And wash me in the blood of Jesus. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall upon me and them right now. The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Would you teach us to love you consistently and often. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in this place? In Jesus' name. Okay. Here's what I need to do. I need to talk to some of you guys. So what was weird is in the, this morning I was worshiping here, and, and I had a vision, it was weird, and I, I do feel like it was a prophetic vision. And it's simple, but that's the way God talks to me. I saw a fire. And a fire in, 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 in scripture uh, symbolizes a love for God often. And I feel like God has put a love for, for, for the Lord inside all of us. It's like, I'm just grateful to be alive. I'm grateful for the things you've blessed me with. And we want to live for him but often we feel like we fall just short of that. Well, what happens with a fire is a fire burns out. Jesus talks about multiple parables in scripture where the love for God burns out in our life. Sometimes he talks about it in forms of sowing seed and and the seed dying. The, 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 The fire will burn out in our life if we don't put more wood on it. What I saw here today is that we have to mathematically figure out how is it that we put fire on the love that we want to have and we believe we're called to have for God. Does that make sense? So here's what I got for you. I said all of these things here to say we don't rise to the level of our dreams or goals but we fall to the level of our system. And if your heart is telling me the same thing that my heart's saying And I want to put Jesus first in my life. I want to be hungry for God. I want to live for God and do extravagant things for Him. How are are you going to get there? Because I know how I'm going to do it. Now, if you were trying out to be in some kind of pro sport, you wouldn't apply for the pro sport today. You would apply for the rookie league and get better. So don't try to be in the big hitters. Don't try to be... Brady Benegas you know don't don't try to be me don't try to be Tom or Phil Man, uh, you guys are here golly Tom and Phil is here We're in the, it's hard <laughs> now I'm nervous <laughs> uh, alright so anyways um, start where you're at yes. so you, you want to start with a minute of prayer a day I don't care how unspiritual that sounds it's spiritual to Jesus He's gonna he's going to drink in every second of it So here's what we're going to do. I was sitting back there praying the other day, yesterday, and God, I felt like God shared with me like a sentence that it was like weird, it came out of nowhere. And I I had to Google it, I had to figure out if it was right, but I couldn't find it on Google. So I asked some mathematicians, and here's what I heard. 2% of our day will change 100% of our life. 2% of our day can change 100% of our life. So I was trying to do the math. I was going crazy. And there's some geeks in here right now that have already done the math, all right? But 2% of our day, 2% comes out to 30 minutes. Like, there's no way that's right, I promise. 30 minutes a day will change 100% of your life with Jesus. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Same thing that Daniel did. If you can't get 30 minutes in in the morning, it's okay, I'll help you. Can you get three 10s in? If you can't get three tens in, can you get six fives in? And I'm okay with you setting an alarm. So will God. I promise he'll work with that. If you were ever in prison and a visitor said, I can give you five minutes, you take it. God feels like he's in prison because all he wants is you. He'll take five minutes and he'll love every second of it. What is the system that we have to get back to God? you can today sign up for a, any reading plan on your you, you Bible app and they'll they'll remind you every day hey dude I'm supposed to read your Bible hey I'm supposed to read your Bible I hate it sometimes I'm like dude shut this thing off man but it's so good for me every day it reminds me I'm gonna read my Bible today okay you sign up for anything struggling with anger there's an anger Bible reading plan <laughs> struggling with finances there's a financial Bible reading plan struggling with wanting to Never mind. I'm just going to let that go. Here's what you need to know. Uh, I I did some thinking, and we're going to call it the 10, 10, and 10 plan. I'm going to challenge you this week to read the Bible for 10 minutes. If you're not good at reading the Bible, please do not read the Old Testament. Please do not read the Stay in the Gospels. Let Jesus talk to you. Like don't read stuff about God speaking to this dude to go do something crazy. You're not gonna understand it. So let Jesus, when you understand Jesus talking to you and you're reading the Bible and God's talking to you through his word, you can move on to bigger things. Just stay in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Does that make sense to everyone? 10 minutes a day. If Jesus is gonna be first, you don't want next year to show up and you go, man, I wish I'd just be praying. I'm gonna mathematically show you how to get there. Some of you are like, I don't know how to pray. Will you pray? Make the decision first. Good, 10 minutes of prayer. That's all I'm asking. I'm gonna ask you to pray for 10 minutes a day. And this is what prayer is gonna look like. Right now, I'm gonna ask you to think of two people or two things you need to pray for. Can you get them? Raise your hand if you got them. We're gonna practice right now. Because I'm not going to put you in the game unless you've had practice. So I don't want to send you out the door unless we've done this together. So can you successfully pray for one minute for one thing? Here we go. Everyone bow your heads. Close your eyes. And pray for one minute for one of those things. Right now. Go. Dear God, I pray Now we're gonna pray for the second thing. You can set a timer, it's okay. Second thing, ready? That was one minute right there. So if you can pray for two minutes, you can pray for 10. There are some times where I, uh, I found another strategy. You can read prayers online. It's OK. It's better than not praying. Because we don't want to wrongly decide that small good decisions don't matter. They do. Your prayers matter. Yes. Every per- you, They pull a secular market and ask them if prayer matters. And everyone says that prayer is powerful. Well, We got to do it. We got to do it. So I'm going to ask you one more time. I'm going to ask you to ask God this week. So here's So 10 minutes praying, 10 minutes reading your Bible. I'm going to ask you to spend five minutes praising God, thanking him for things in your life, thanking him for who he is, that he's stronger than you, that he's wiser than you, that he's smarter than you, that he's more powerful than you, that he's more faithful than you, that he's, he's gooder than you. He's uh, whatever it is. I want five minutes praising God. And then five minutes sitting in quiet, just listening. So I'm going to ask God to speak to everyone in this room right now about the system that you're going to set in place to accomplish the goal of drawing closer to God this year. Right now. Just listen. what i know sometimes in five minutes god won't talk to you at all sometimes you'll see a vision an idea of something an image sometimes that's the lord and sometimes that's you daydreaming but one thing i know is that it's good for every human being on the earth especially for this time in this generation to have a moment where our phone people and things aren't pulling us and you just sit and think for a People used to do this all the time on the back porch, on a rocking chair. We don't give ourselves a moment to just let God be there. 2% of your day can change 100% of your life. There are some people this morning that feel like you don't know how to pray. Sometimes when I'm praying for the church, praying for 380 people is difficult. So I googled it, and this is what I found. Just say everyone's name. So... I'll say, Joyce. and I'll breathe in and I'll breathe out. And I'll think of the situation that Joyce is dealing with in her life. And then I'll say, Brady. I'll breathe in and I'll breathe out. And I'll just bring them to the Lord. And if you've got 100 people in your life, you can just breathe, say their names, just bring them to the Lord and what you know they're dealing with. Does that make sense? Yeah. All we want is to do little things that bring us closer to where we are so that a, a healthy identity creates healthier habits. So that healthy habits create and reinforce a healthy identity. Some of you don't know the equation how to put Jesus first. Today I'm mathematically trying to show you. You just gotta start with 2%. Does that make sense? Father, I'm praying for everyone in this room today. The 2% of their life, they would wholly commit it to you. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Our objective is to lay our lives down for you. All we want is for you to move, to use us, to glorify us. But I'm thankful, God, that we're not just making Christians. This is the start of making disciples. I believe that with all of my heart. There are men and women of God that are being born here today. Jesus' name.